Hi, this is Michael. And this is Jill. And this is Townhouse of Terror. This is our third episode, and if you're joining us for the first time, we're watching 31 horror movies in the month of October and then discussing them. This episode, we'll be discussing The Witch, God Told Me To, The Seventh Victim, and Ganja and Hess. How's it going, Jill? Really well. Good. Yeah. What's new with you since we last spoke? Well, um, I'm drinking a delicious cocktail. Mm, what are you having? I'm having a Scandinavian daiquiri, mm. and that has Norden Aquavit, lime, and simple syrup, and it is delightful. Grand. Hmm. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just recording a podcast, you know, oh. about horror movies and stuff. Oh, cool. So this episode will wrap up the first seven. So if you want to follow along, you can go for it. I'm also going to be posting our next list of seven films uh, for you guys to start watching if you want to. Um, just real quick, also, we are now available, and maybe you're listening to us on this way, on Apple Podcasts. or It's not iTunes anymore, right? It's Apple Podcasts, I think. So if you want to find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Anchor, we're on a bunch of stuff. So if you get the chance, go to Apple Podcasts, rate us, and um, give us a review because that will help spread the word. I'm ready to get in some movies. How about you? I am so ready. Are you so scared? I'm terrified. I, in all honesty, though, too, I am looking forward to hearing what you thought about a couple of these movies because we, we typically don't talk about these until mm-hmm. we do this podcast. So. Yeah, it's kind of awkward. Like we finish and we just don't say anything <laughs> <laughs> normally. We don't even look at each other, and then <laughs> and we don't even speak. And then if we do, don't record for another few days, it's like I don't know. That's why I'm asking what you've been up to. So mm-hmm. it's good it's to true. see you again, Joe. You too, Michael. All right. Well, let's talk about the witch. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> this is witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? This film was written and directed by Robert Eggers, starring Anya Taylor-Joy, Ralph Innocent, and Kate Dickey. In the 1630s, an English Puritan family of seven leave Plymouth Colony over religious differences with the elders. They build a homestead in the wilderness near the edge of a supposed haunted forest. Their infant son vanishes while the oldest daughter, Thomason, is playing peekaboo with him in a field. From there, a series of unexplained events begin to happen but all are attributed to evil lurking in the woods. The fact that Stephen King said that it scared the hell out of him tells you a lot about this film, and I concur with Mr. King that it was terrifying. I know that you haven't seen this until this viewing, and mm-hmm. you might not you know, read up on movies that come out that you haven't seen, but um, this movie has a bit of a reputation to be one of those that people either like or really hate. And there's actually, there's been a lot of feedback in the horror community of people that hate it because Mm. I think you go, you know, it's one of those, also you see the trailer and you're like, oh my gosh, it's going to be like really terrifying. And it kind of starts off with a really terrible, horrible scene with, you know, the, the baby being vanishing, which is bad enough. But then, I mean, 
basically the baby being ground up into mm-hmm. like a skin treatment for right. the witch. Right. But then after that, it kind of just slows down, you know, for a long time. Right. And you're yeah. in, That's you're watching point. this family very meditatively shot and put together. You know, they're speaking in the traditional uh, way of speaking at that time. And he, uh, the director, Edgars, had put so much research into this. Apparently, he spent four years just researching the dialect and the way that people lived and and the, the kind of language that they used. So it's kind of a difficult... I mean, we are in our 40s, but we're not that old. But we did watch it with <laughs> subtitles, first of all, because it was later at night and our child was sleeping. But we... You know, they're speaking in such heavy accents and yeah. saying words that are not commonly used anymore. Right. And as I was watching it, I was like, oh, man, if we didn't have these subtitles on, I would be missing a lot. But thank you. Yeah. I'm, but, by the way, I'm <laughs> the one who always wants subtitles. <laughs> but I also think back to why some people didn't like it is it's it's not just constant, constant, you know, scary stuff. happening. Right. But there I mean, there's plenty of sequences of terror. Mm-hmm. And when it happens, it, you know, it's it doesn't let down. I think terror doesn't have to be one singular instance of like shock factor. Right. Right. It it's an underlying um, sense. Of, and I said this in another one, but an underlying sense of dread um, yeah. that you can't shake and you just know like something's coming. Um, and I think part of that was like the heavy religiosity that made it, I mean, if you come from a religious background, the way that they think um, about things, like it almost made it somewhat realistic, at least if you grew up in the kind of background some of us did. There's also a realism, too, of, I mean, it's set in a time that we, you know, we weren't around in, obviously, and just the elements of their life, are kind of scary, you know, just what they have to do every oh, day sure. and just the constant kind of, um, you know, hardships that they would be facing. Yeah, no, thank you. And leaving <laughs> their, you know, leaving their community already mm-hmm. and starting out. But like what you're saying about their religious fear, I mean, they're constantly, so like when their their youngest child is taken away, you know, they're more concerned, the they're the kids are concerned that the kids that the baby is in hell. You yeah. know, it's 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 almost a, you know, that's more on their mind than they've lost their child. So sad. And the way that they're having to deal with everything and they're struggling and it's just like, uh, it's it's a scary, it's scary just watching them live their life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's there's a constant dread, there's a constant. Um, Fear, Fear, like one of the, one of the sons, at like he's having he's hunting with his dad, and he talks about how he's always worried about he's going to hell, mm-hmm. and you know it's just heartbreaking because, like, I, for me knowing that there are people who still think that way too, um, but also like they just had so little, like they they didn't have science, they only knew what they could interpret from their holy scriptures and their interpretation was like very gloom and doom. It was, it's really sad. But then like, so, (laughs) so they are talking about God constantly, but 
he doesn't seem to help them from their troubles. Things actually are getting worse. And an evil force is the thing that is actually changing their world, not the good thing that they're seeking, um, if that makes sense. But it's not heavy-handed in the beginning. Like, the parents just start, was it the mom? She's like, something is just off. Something's off with my children. Yes. But there isn't a moment where, like, you see a witch come in and, like, bewitch them. Um, it's like just them being on that property starts to make ripples in their family. Well, I remember the first time I watched it, and I got to a point where I was wondering, is the witch even real? Yeah. You know, because the only thing we had seen was the witch with the, the child. And, you know, and we didn't even see her take the kid away. So was this, my thought was, was this what the daughter was thinking? Or? They left their colony. They're, you know, out here alone now. So they're very dependent on each other. But we're starting to kind of find the flaws or the, the things in each person of the family which is causing problems for each other too Mm -hmm. which is being amplified by whatever the evil is that is there Mm -hmm. and when it comes down to it the father is not good at anything he has crops that are terrible he cannot hunt even when he buys traps he can't fire a rifle properly when he tries to shoot a rabbit So there's all these things that he's taken his family out of this colony to start his own thing because of differences and beliefs. And pride, really. And pride, yeah. he admits to later. Yep, and Mm -hmm. he just cannot do it. So there's this weird kind of, I think in a lot of these movies, it's it's interesting where you find moments of sympathy for people Mm -hmm. because, you know, I would not at all say that this father was someone who's like, oh, he's a good dad or he's making good decisions for his family or he's making good decisions as a as a human. But there everything is stacked against them. And yeah. you I think you do see that he's he's trying. He is. And I feel like he he loves his family. He does. He definitely does. You can tell that. But I mean think about the time and the way that Yeah culture was set up like he was supposed to quote unquote lead the family mm-hmm. but really his wife would she <sighs> she would have done better at the things that yeah you know men should have been better at apparently back right. then like if it were today they would just figure out a way like okay who's better at what yeah. <laughs> right but back then it was him leading the family but and it's funny too I don't want to jump ahead too much on stuff, mm-hmm. but I think there's a scene when him and his oldest daughter are arguing and, and she says, all you can do is chop wood, or all you do is chop wood. I, I heard you speak of it. Is that true? You took him with this couple of rail at me. You confessed not till it was too late. Is that true? I will not. I am my father. You are a hypocrite! Hold thy tongue, daughter mine. You took Caleb to the wood and let me take the blame of that too. Is that true? You let mother be as thy master. You cannot bring the crops to yield. You cannot hunt. Is that truth enough? Enough. Thou canst do nothing save cut wood! Thanks! <laughs> <laughs> 
And you will not hear me! <laughs> Must I hear the devil wag his tongue in thy mouth? And that we see him when he's frustrated, all he does is chop wood. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge pile of wood at the end of the house. And when at the end, when he dies, he's just he falls into the wood pile and it covers him. And mm-hmm. it's like everything he worked on at that at that property just covers him up. And um, but yeah, so let's talk about it. You know, we the, we saw the witch steal the, the child, the older sister playing peekaboo. And mm-hmm. then she covers her face for two seconds and then the, the child's gone. Which is um, terrifying. Which is ter- which, which is, is terrifying. Witches. Get it? Because of which. Um, <laughs> but uh, but then we don't see it's you know like I said we're we're spending a lot of time away from that. So right when we do start seeing some weird stuff again, it's the twins, little mm-hmm. children twins, which are always creepy. No offense if you have twins, <laughs> but in movies are creepy. Um, so the the twins are talking to one of the goats uh, named Black. Oh, what's his name? Black uh, Philip. Yeah, uh, which is a. <laughs> we laughed when when they would do the head on shots of the goat, the <laughs> face, just him sitting there breathing. It's kind of funny looking. But. Well, it is I, for some reason. Okay, so we have guinea pigs. Oh my God! I had the same thought. Are <laughs> you gonna say that it looks like Ralph? Yes, yeah. because like the shape of their noses. I know who Ralphie's gonna be for Halloween this uh, year. So there was something about I the eyes. I hope he doesn't gore me when I'm changing his oh cage. Oh my God! Well, I have a story about being the goat. gored by a guinea pig. No, not by a guinea pig. Um, so I was reading this article by Andrew Hausman and Screen Rant, and um, apparently. The goat, whose name is Charlie in real life, was hellish to work with. <laughs> like, um, he almost killed the guy who he actually, like, the character who he kills in the movie. Um, is it Ralph Inman? Yeah. Um, so I guess, like, he was horrible and he was like a diva. He totally misbehaved and didn't listen to anyone and he would, like, nap when they needed him to be like on on it and super aggressive and then I guess like like Eggers was like no we can't have a puppet or a computer thing because it doesn't look real so he worked with this aggressive goat instead of like he wanted the realness of it. Robert Eggers by the way he also did The Lighthouse um, Mm -hmm. which the, those are the two movies he's done, which is another movie that is set in isolation and set in a um, really hard to it's like hard to film location mm-hmm. um, and just a really gritty kind of dirty looking film. Um, so he's got this style about him that uh, apparently is very hard to work on his films too, not necessarily uh, personality issues, but just right. you know he's he's trying to shoot stuff. Uh, to have the feeling that it gives. I mean, he, you just feel dirty watching these movies. He doesn't do anything the easy way, that's right. for sure. And I, w- I was actually reading about the um, the location, too, speaking of how they did the lighthouse. Um, yeah. With this location, they wanted to shoot in Massachusetts, but because of tax breaks and stuff, they couldn't, they couldn't make it work there. So they went to Canada, and they had to go to a remote area of Ontario and so it made it even more difficult. And he like, it, it, it was it was not an easy process. But um, they, I think they did a pretty good job of making it look like New England. 
So all of this dread is kind of beautifully photographed. You know, it's a really pretty looking movie, but in a different way. It's not, there's not a lot of color there. Um, most of it is like gray skies mm-hmm. and, you know, and muddy, but just beautifully photographed. It um, feels like perpetual yeah. end of winter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, um, and dark, you know, it's just a dark, cold movie, you mm-hmm. know, uh, very realistic too, lighting wise and any kind of in any of the night scenes, you know, it's all candlelit. So really, really photographed well. Oh, uh, apparently, by the way. Yeah. Oh, unless you were going to say this, but no, well, let's say it at the same time. One, one two, two, three. This movie was going lighting. to be used for straight to video at first. Oh, I didn't know that. They used all natural lighting <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and candles. Um, but what I was saying is it was this was shot for a uh, home release and then it got bought at Sundance, I believe. A24 put it up. Which A24 movies, man, if you see a mm-hmm. A24 at the front of a movie, you're going to probably see something good. So. Yep, for sure. All right, well, let's get on a little bit further in to uh, when all mayhem breaks loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb dies after his possession moment, and nobody can trust anybody anymore. We got goat. We got uh, goats seeping blood out of their udders. Ravens eating nipples off mama. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, Black Philip gourds the father. Yeah. And I did. And then scream. What's I, I have to say, I that was the only moment where I was like, <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. Yep. So then. We're left with Thomason. She's alone on her homestead. Everybody's gone. The twins are, have disappeared. Her other, her mother and father and other siblings are dead. What is she gonna do? Like what? Like what? What's her thought process and what happens next? Well, someone appears. Well, she goes to talk to Black Philip. Right? I think she's like doesn't know what to do. Yeah. He shows up in the barn. No, she goes and talks to him. Really? She seeks him out. Yeah. So she's, Thomason goes to the barn to seek out Black Phillip because she knows that her brother and sister, the twins, had been whispering to her. And I think she's all alone now. And she's like, speak. I mean, she basically says, she conjures him. Yeah, she does. And she says, speak to me. And as she's about to step away, we hear a voice. A super creepy voice. Not the voice, you know, and it's funny because I was like, am I about to hear like, Thomason, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like a goat's voice or something. But it, no, it's like, it's very like this. And in this way, he says, would you like to live a life of deliciousness mm-hmm. and a life of deliciousness? And I think what he considers a life of deliciousness to be using butter and stuff like that. And then back then, man, I mean, butter is delicious. Would you like to taste butter? Yes. So Yes, in fact, I would. As she is talking, we see, it's cool because what the camera does is like you see one goat hoof take a step and then the other foot comes in and it's a boot. Mm-hmm. And then you see like a man. Johnny Depp and Pirates of the Caribbean Pretty walk much. up behind her. <laughs> you know, and we realize, okay, black... Tom, Black Thomas, why am I calling him that? Black Philip is literally Satan, and he puts down the book for her to sell his soul. Sell her soul. Sell her soul. Mm-hmm. And I think, I find it interesting that, you know, she did that, but she's completely left alone. Everything's gone, and I think this is her last resort. 
Well, and I think as, you know, she was a very devoted, she was very devoted to Christianity. But I think as the film progressed and the family dynamic broke down and people like really did not trust each other, she started to reevaluate like what she believed and like why that was so important. And people kept telling her she was a witch. Like right. they were like, you're a witch. You're Just a witch. Just lean into it. And then in the final scene is when her and Black Philip walk into, I guess, his coven of witches uh, who are around a fire. Um, and after watching this a second time and something that I read, I think they took the twins and that they are because you put the the babies on you for your life of deliciousness. To, to fly. Keep, or to keep you it's to fly. young. I don't no. know if it's to fly. Is it to it fly? It is to fly, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So. Oh, and they're all flying. They're all flying. Ah, oh, hold on. What's wrong? Your sister just sent me a text. Your sister just sent me a message, and I thought it was on Do Not Disturb, but. Mm, so, anyways. Come on mine. Well, yeah, because this is my computer. Um, so, okay, well, what'd you think, Jill? I thought it was great. I was very interested in it. I, I. It's a slow burn, but it's it is. It's not boring. I don't have a problem with slow films as long as the story is told in an interesting mm-hmm. way. And, and it's yeah. it's a typical like I think you said earlier on. Someone described it as a fairy tale. It is. It feel or uh, not fairy tale. Um, like a Grimm's tale or something like yeah. that. You know, and it's. Yeah. It is the part of the country where there are, you know, the witch trials and stuff. And there was, you know, mm-hmm. so it, you, it does feel like, I even watching, I was like, it kind of feels a little bit like Sleepy Hollow or something, you know, mm-hmm. there's moments of that. And, but it didn't just feel like a retelling. And I think some people went into it thinking it's a witch story and it's, it's, it's more than that. You right. Know? Um, yeah, I really like it. It's, it's not one that I would necessarily watch every year, but it's. Between this and the lighthouse, just I'm definitely interested to see where Edgar's goes next. But yeah, well, he I think his next film is called the North something. <laughs> He's he was working on something in April, but I'm assuming everything's on uh, pause for now. Why? Oh, no big deal. Just a global pandemic. Guys, if you're listening to this in the far future. We're recording all of this in the year 2020. So, um, anyways, I really like this. I think it's I think it's really good. I would if we're doing out of five stars, I'll give it a four, a solid four. I'm with you on the four. Yep. Um, so this is the second time watching it, and I liked it more this time. Not that I didn't like it the first time, but I was engaged and kind of just knowing what had come or what was coming and everything was. It is a it is a movie that I think uh, is rewatchable because you once you know what's happening, mm-hmm. you can kind of pick some things out. So, also the acting was really yeah exceptional. Yeah, even by the everybody and yeah. every I mean, we didn't really talk much about the the cast, but you know perfect perfect cast for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, just a reminder that I am so happy I was not born in the 1600s. Yeah. Yes, I mean we were commenting on that and it's it, it his direction is just i mean i like i we were saying a minute ago he puts his film crew through a lot but it just comes through i mean 
if it didn't if you didn't believe that I don't think the scenes would have worked as much mm-hmm. you know um, just this dread and just this dirtiness it's just throughout the whole movie and it doesn't light up at all Ugh. so <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go put some lotion on my skin to keep myself delicious <laughs> you do that why did you attack all those people God told me to This movie was written, produced, and directed by Larry Cohen, who has, is kind of like a cult favorite of mine, uh, has made a lot of movies that I enjoy, and created a TV show from the 1960s called The Invaders, which is super cool. Um, this one starts, again, this is very 1970s, feels very Scorsese to me, and I hadn't seen this one for a while, and I've just forgotten how much of a kind of uh, Mean Streets vibe this has right off the bat. It feels very immediate. They're on, they're mm-hmm. on the streets of New York City in the 70s there's plenty of people in the shots that are not actors. Right. You know, and even shots where they're looking at the camera. I love that. It's this run and gun, like, Mm -hmm. you feel like, do they actually have permits? Right. I don't know. They definitely don't have lighting. Well, when they're shooting (laughs) the the scene at the, the policeman's parade. Oh, yeah. There's no, like, that... That, I should have, had, that had to have been a real parade. We should have done some research on this and checked if it was or not. So, mm-hmm. listeners, you write we'll in and out. tell us. But yeah, we'll, we'll look into it because there's, you know, that was totally felt like a real parade like and an Irish policeman parade. And Mr. Andy Kaufman in his yeah. first film role. That was his first film. I role? believe it was. Yeah. Oh my god. He might have been on Taxi by then, but wow. I don't know. Um, so f- just random, but it was funny cause I was like, do you know who that is? And you, you saw him a couple of times and no, no. And you're like, what? So well, the angle, that's another thing. Like the angles are not, it is. Oh my gosh. You are like right. Low and like, there is a crotch shot angle and I'm going to post a picture <laughs> on our Instagram. So you need to be following our Instagram so you can see all these cool crotch shots of these movies, not me, but the movies that we're posting. Wait, do you regularly post crotch shots? No, no. But okay. follow along on our Instagram account because we're, you know, just post fun stuff. But there, there is a shot because in my notes I wrote crotch shot <laughs> when they're on an elevator and the camera is literally oh, just yes. below their, it was very strange, but yeah, anyways, that's weird. I wonder if that was on purpose. Probably. Really? But, oh, I don't know. <laughs> As it begins, your first reaction to the shooting is, wow, this is scary. Right. Because it's real life and it's a kind of a real life horror yeah. thing at that moment. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's the reality of films like this, especially like 70s mm-hmm. down and, you know, real, the reality that so many of those New York films had, yeah. this has it. And you're like, oh my God, that this could totally happen to me. Mm-hmm. And this movie stays like a kind of, Cop drama, realistically, you know, this guy who's mm-hmm. following all these murders that are based on someone saying, God told me to. God told me to. Right. Him interviewing. And, but you don't you don't feel like at for most of the movie while he's researching this that there's some like nefarious like evil guide telling all these people to do it you're like oh they're listening to well i take that back 
you wonder if there's a cult or yeah. like well yes how do they all if it's a mental illness thing mm-hmm. or what but it feels real enough where you're like oh yeah there's people who think certain things and do the same kind of thing right and it's driving him you know keeps driving <laughs> to the point where he's running he's i feel like he's running from a hospital to an apartment and just as someone is dying he's like say it say it you know <laughs> god told me to the look and the feel of the movie switches quickly when you know he's being when he's interviewing the guy who's recounting the story of him uh, finding that woman in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, the alien abduction. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty cool scene because it changes from like the grit of New York in mm-hmm. the seventies and well, it's black and white now too. Yeah, the flashback um, is in black and white and. You've got this guy who's elderly in the 70s, and he's younger in this flashback. And Guys, when you flashback car. from now to then, <laughs> it's like time travel. Yes. So he sees this woman uh, running naked in the woods and stops and picks her up. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's trying to tell him that she was just abducted by aliens. Right. And he's like, oh, all right, lady. And then <laughs> tries to like make a pass at her, of course, because he's a scumbag. But um, I don't think he does. He actually gives yeah. her a jacket to cover up. Yeah, but he makes a pass at her, okay. too. Maybe you're right. Um, I don't doubt it. Yeah, you better not, man. But that was cool because, you know, that's one thing I like about this movie. Whenever there's, like, the other alien abduction sequence when he goes to talk to his birth mother, it's very strange Mm -hmm. looking and, like, almost reminded me of, like, uh, Ridley Scott or something, you know, like early 70s Ridley Scott kind of thing. And and then when he goes to meet his half-brother, I guess, Philip, not Black Philip, but Golden Philip, because this guy looks... This guy looks weird. He looks like a blonde Jesus who's glowing. Well, I I was reading about this character, and um, I think that he was supposed to kind of be, I think he was supposed to be intersex or uh, kind of a mixture of different genders. and To start a new race with his... um, Detective Nichols. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of got tired of this uh-huh. film. It wasn't my favorite. Um, some of the other stories that he had going on, like with his, um, the wife that he was separated from and his girlfriend yeah. and like <coughs> his relationship with the Catholic Church and his difficulty in separating from all that, that kind of bugged me. Oh, and then like, his girlfriend's a substitute teacher and has an amazing apartment, like at Central, like right outside Central Park. You don't think substitute teachers deserve nice apartments? I think they do deserve it, but there's no way she could afford that. She also has the exact same glasses that I do. I know. I mean, she's quite fabulous. Mm-hmm. This movie got mixed reviews. I remember Roger Ebert had a. I had a book of Roger Ebert's that was like called I Hate, 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 Hated This Movie. And I think this was one of them in there. It was either in that one or just like it was a list of all his one-star films. But I, I like it. I went on I went down this Larry Cohen kick one time. Larry Cohen, he just makes really fun movies. And we might do another one of his this month. We might, we might not. We'll see. Can I give it stars? Give it stars. I'm going to give it a two. Okay. I think I would give it a two and a half. Hmm. There's things I liked about it. There, I thought it was cool. And I... And I I liked how, I just liked the way he shot it. He mm-hmm. was just. I do like that, yeah. 
it was just it's just different. Um, something that just came to mind real quick is another note: petite feet. Yes. Because it's all these detectives in in dress shoes running around New York City, mm-hmm. and the Foley guy must have just been clip like, clop, clip clop, yep. clip clop. So that's probably my biggest takeaway from this movie. <laughs> petite feet, feminine step. Sounds like a lady when he's walking in the room. And if you know where that comes from, you win points. God told me to. I run to death. And death meets me as fast. And all my pleasures are like yesterday. Seventh Victim from 1943, directed by Mark Robson, tells the story of Mary, a young lady who leaves her Catholic boarding school to find her sister Jacqueline, who owns a successful cosmetic business and has gone missing. Does she find her? Has she joined a satanic cult? Is this really a horror movie? Let's find out. Jill? Yes? Do you know who Val Luton is? No. Really? I really don't. Okay. Can you tell me? Oh, cool. No, it's good because I was hoping sometimes I don't know if you would. Um, well, I do know a lot of things, but I don't know who that is. <laughs> Val Luton was a Russian producer, uh, became an American citizen, I believe, but producer for RKO that when they, uh, after Universal Monsters became pretty uh, famous and made lots of money, RKO Pictures wanted to have their own version of that. So they got this guy, Val Luton, to come and kind of produce and get all these pictures together, these pictures together. (laughs) And he produced this string of fantastic um, noir horror movies, Um, The Cat People, Mm. um, Bedlam, Ghost Ship, a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. He produced them, um, and he would get different directors. Really uh, interesting group of films here. So this was one of his movies that he produced. Um, but he did not direct them. Okay. Uh, Mark Robeson, who directed a few of his movies, was a director here. But he starred as an editor mm-hmm. who also edited quite a few of uh, Val Luton pictures, but also was assistant assistant editor on a little film called Citizen Kane. Well, well, well. You ever heard of that one? Hmm, maybe. The first time I saw this movie was when I first started hearing of Val Luton and they actually put out a Val Luton DVD box set back Mm. in the mid 2000s or something like that and so I remember watching this movie and enjoying it but it had been quite a few years since I've seen it Mm -hmm. so I thought definitely should put a Val Luton on here I'm going to choose seventh victim because I think we'd watched cat people not too long ago and some of the other big ones but You haven't seen Cat People? No, I have not seen it. Boy, oh boy, did I mess up. <laughs> I've heard of it, but I have not <laughs> well, seen it. Well, let's just cut to the chase here. It's it's not like cats, is it? It's about cats. <laughs> no, here's the thing. It's about these cats that live in a trash heap, and uh, one of them's named Heathcliff, and there's another guy named Mr. Mistopheles. And no, the Cat People is so good, and maybe we'll sh- we should put this on there. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But anyways... Um, Here's my thing about this movie. I really like this movie. But as I'm watching it, this is definitely not a horror movie. There are horror elements, maybe. Eerie. Eerie, thriller, mystery. But does not stand out as horror. Yeah. But I have a little sneaky feeling that you don't like this movie. So let's hear what you got to say. Why do you think I don't like it? Because... You made some comments during the movie, and then you were on your phone the whole time. 
<laughs> That's usually a pretty good in indication. Um, it was confusing. It, like, there are a lot of parts... Uh, that just seemed like they didn't connect. This is this is such a disjointed movie. Yeah. And I'd never picked it picked up so much on it until this viewing. Uh-huh. It's Hold on, I just well, moved my mic. Go ahead. Well, I I was thinking that as I was watching it and then I read about it later and there's a reason why because it was uh, there were like four major scenes that were not included. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so those scenes would have helped a lot. I agree. But also, I just there the characters irritated me. Mm -hmm. I, like there were things I just didn't feel like made sense. And um, yeah, I well, just I think having didn't love it. If, we, if if there were key scenes there that would have pulled it together, it's, it was also very short. It was like an hour in five minutes or hour mm -hmm. and 10 minutes. So mm -hmm. it just like, it felt like when it ended, I was like, that's it. Here, here's the thing with Val Luton movies and with this one, it's it's all about the atmosphere. And I feel like that's mm -hmm. done really well. There's some amazing yeah. shots. The cinematography is great. Yeah. Um, I really like the Jacqueline character, mm -hmm. but we hardly see her, you know, right. and, and it's cool because she's super mysterious. She looks awesome. Got a great haircut. Yes. I want um, that hair. But you know, your in the her introduction is fantastic because her sister Mary uh, has gone to her apartment to find her, and there's a knock on the door eventually, and the door opens and it's Jacqueline, and she doesn't say a word, mm -hmm. and then she just leaves, and it's just like, whoa, my gosh, what's going on? You know, like very just kind of mysterious. And Mary has like everything before that like she was in school and then mm -hmm. the school's like you have to leave your sister hasn't paid your tuition in months right um so mary goes off to find out what happened to her sister yes so at first she doesn't even know if she's alive right um and then eventually finds her and when she goes into her apartment Remember, there is a chair and a noose hanging in the room. Well, she has two apartments, right? Right. So when they go into the apartment, one of her apartments, I guess. Right. The backup the, apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes in with her boyfriend. Was Jacqueline's boyfriend, right? No, it's Jacqueline's husband. Husband. Oh, my gosh. That's right. The, the, see, yeah. I was even confused on a lot of this stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and what does he say? He says it's there because... She says that she wants to always have that option in life to keep her motivated. Yeah. Which is a pretty bleak uh, way to live your life to have a noose set up with a chair standing and, by. And, you know, for your partner to be, like, not worried about that right. or anything. Exactly. We're meeting all these characters through Mary as she's meeting them. She didn't know that her sister was married and her husband's kind of... Oh, her husband, by the way, is... Oh, gosh, what's his name now? But... He's in father's, father knows best. He is the father no, who knows it, best, right? No, no, wait. It's Leave It to Beaver, isn't it? Oh, is it? <gasps> I don't know. Do you know the theme song to Leave It, or what's the theme song to Leave It to Beaver? Uh, I used to know it. What's the theme it? song to Father Knows Best? Do, 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 do. No, <laughs> that's not it. That's wait, hold from, on, let's think. That's from... Is that Beaver? Anyways, um, I'll tell you one thing this movie has going for it, and I think works, and I've always thought it's great, and it's still great. Mm -hmm. That shower scene yes. is so freaking creepy, and 
you cannot think of anything else but Psycho. Uh-huh. I thought the same exact thing. But if you're listening to this and have not seen the movie, just briefly, Mary's taking a shower, and the camera is inside the shower, and you just see a figure enter the bathroom, and it's a woman, and she's talking to Mary through the shower curtain. Mary? Yes? This is Mrs. Reddy, Mary. Oh, I'll be out in a minute. That won't be necessary. I haven't much to say. If I were you, Mary, I'd go back to school. I'd make no further attempt to find Jacqueline. I can't give up looking for her, Mrs. Reddy, no matter what you're hinting at. I have no intention whatsoever of hinting. Your sister, Mary, is a murderess. She killed Irving August, stabbed him out of fright when he discovered where she was hiding. I don't believe you. I had to help get rid of the body. You saw it on the subway. And I warn you, Mary, go back. You don't know what you're doing or what dreadful things you might bring about by looking for your sister. You go back to school. And all you ever see is a figure. But it's so disturbing. Yeah. Just the thought of someone walking into your bathroom while you're in there and just talking to you and threatening you and then walking out. Anyways, so come to find out she's in a satanic cult. The cult does not want to kill her. They want her to drink poison, yada, yada, yada. It's very loose. It's very, like, kind of shaky. And we're totally missing scenes. Um, I enjoyed it. But at the end of the day... If you haven't watched it yet, you could skip it. Or you can check it out. Maybe you'll love it. No, it's you, good. It's, you can have your own opinion. It's a, it's a, enjoy, I like it, but it's definitely, I mean, I was just bummed because it wasn't as much of a horror film as I thought. Um, I would please, please check out Val Luton movies, though, if you, uh, we, we might do a couple others, but. I want to see The Cat People. The Cat People. The yeah. Cat People, The Leopard Man, Isle of the Dead, Ghost Ship. Oh, my God, Ghost Ship is so good, so. This we'll, one, though? It's, I don't. I don't care. To out of five, either. what are you saying? I'm gonna say a one and a half. Really? That mm-hmm. low, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a two and a half because I like it enough that I was entertained. I really like the cinematography and the vibe. The shower scene itself is worth the price of admission, and it was like an uh, hour and ten minutes. So yeah, I what, guess it's not a huge investment. What do you want? Well, that's the seventh victim. I will not be tortured. I will not be punished. I will not be guilty. Blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for thee, preserve thee body and soul for everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for thee. Written and directed by Bill Gunn, Ganja and Hess is a 1973 vampire horror film starring Dwayne Jones from Night of the Living Dead and Marlene Clark. Jones plays Dr. Hess Green, an anthropologist studying a blood-drinking ancient African tribe called the Murthians. During an altercation, Dr. Green's assistant stabs him with a Murthian-cursed dagger, and he awakes to find he has an insatiable desire for blood. Jill? 
Had you ever heard of this movie before? No, I had not heard of this film before. Sadly. I had seen it a few years ago. And I was looking forward to seeing it again because it's just so bizarre that I wanted to watch mm-hmm. it again and I wanted to watch it with you. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, this is another one where the editing is different. Uh, it's very... It's confusing. Yeah. Right? It's confusing. Okay. But I appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because it feels intentional. It doesn't feel accidental yes. like... Um, the seventh uh, victim does. Well, this movie is totally like an experimental movie. Yeah. Uh, structure, shots, every, I mean, everything about it is, and it's not just art film, it's just, it's experiment. It, mm-hmm. it feels student film almost. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Dr. Green is this rich, brilliant anthropologist who is fine and dresses fabulously Mm -hmm. and has this gorgeous home and you can't help but instantly think wow he is like pretty awesome speaks fluently with his son and french oh my god yeah yeah just like okay he's pretty amazing Mm -hmm. do you know anything about the the story behind the director making this movie no i don't so this is a time in American movie history where black exploitation is really popular, and they hire Bill Gunn to direct and write this movie. He writes a, a screenplay, shows it, gets greenlit, and then he goes and films something completely different. And he he just literally was like, "They want me to do a black exploitation movie. I'm going to make a movie where African Americans are um, their doctors, just a completely different view, and also film it in a way that you would not expect." So. The studio hates it. Really? He ha- yeah, hates it because ah. it's just so bizarre. I mean, seriously though, if if this watching this movie is is a weird experience. It's I mean, it's so trippy. It is. It's beautiful. It's like yeah. it's like a trip in a way. You know. It's so gorgeous and it's so unique for the time. Oh, like, so unique! But it's at this, so cool. exactly. But if you're expecting to get black exploitation and you get this, you know, so no, they forced him to recut it to make it more of a, you know, typical because Blackula had come out recently before this, and that's what they wanted. They wanted another Blackula, oh. which was a black exploitation vampire movie. Here, you know, it's social commentary of addiction. So I'm guessing all these white executive men mm-hmm. are, first of all, not impressed with the story and not impressed at all with the filmmaking. So mm-hmm. this movie was not available to be seen in the original cut until I think about 10 years ago. Really? And that's when I saw it. Ah, actually, I think it was like seven years ago, about seven wow. years ago. And that's when I saw it for the first time because I had heard of it and it had different names. I think it was called Blood Couple, yeah, uh, had a couple of different other names. And it was just kind of always lot lodged or uh, not lodged. It was always kind of just lumped in with a bunch of other black exploitation. I think you could find those, uh, find like the cut of Blood Couple or something. But not until about seven years ago could you see this. And man, it's crazy. I wrote down one of my notes this feels like Bergman in in certain peer, certain points of it where it was so ethereal, so dreamlike and just smartly done. It wasn't like he's just doing stuff to do it. He wasn't right. just making pretty pictures with no intent behind it. But it was there but at the same time there still was this 
a little bit of a black exploitation vibe to mm-hmm. it. And, you know, there are moments of horror. Again, is this a straight-up horror movie? Yeah. I don't think so. Well... But it, there's there's the whole vampire part of it. and Yeah, I think the vampire part and that it's tied in with ancient rituals yep. it definitely makes it um, horror. And, y- you know, the blood sucking and... Sorry, <laughs> I was just blood sucking out of my drink right now sorry <laughs> um yeah i loved it though i loved that it tied in like this like i don't I, just the beauty of where he lived yeah. i wanted to be in his living room and yes. hang out with him well, and listen to music listen, and drink you don't want to hang out with him because what does he do okay, he, he murders people me. yeah that's true he would want my blood but i do love you know how in there's you know certain vampire movies there's flashbacks of whether it's, you know, a Dracula movie or something like that where it's like flashbacks to the old country and here's flashbacks to like Africa and, and the mm-hmm. ancient native um, uh, traditions and or of how the, uh, I guess, what so it's a disease, right? That so is on, or a germ that's on that knife? Uh, no, it's like a, it's like a, um, like a curse. A curse, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, his assistant flies in and is staying at his mansion, and they've been drinking all night. And he's the director, correct? Right? Isn't that the uh, director? Yeah, okay. it is the director. Yep. And he's very unstable. Has, yes. He has some issues. <laughs> that scene, by the way, sorry not to interrupt you, but that scene when you're kind of first introduced and they're, they're having a meal, mm-hmm. uh, having dinner in their living room, he is so weird. Yeah. And just and it's it's just very conversational. I even wrote down like he the, he reminds me. I felt like I was watching like a Woody Allen movie or something. Yeah. He just the way he was talking Absolutely. and it was just so like unscripted or or a um like Robert s- Altman or something. It was just super very, pretentious. Yes. Like oh, yep. when I was in the Netherlands. Yes. As I say, oh, I was going to tell you this story. This friend of mine's a director, you know. Ben, we were in Hollywood. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Fantastic. It's so fantastic. You know, I really appreciate this so much. It's really, I, it's my first good meal in days, you know. And I was feeling like I was at some parties in L.A. And ha- <laughs> oh my gosh, we are just shit-talking L.A. on this podcast. Sorry. We spent 10 years, we fell in love in Los Angeles. We did. Um, but we, did. hey, we love people from there. But, I, um, yeah, we, I love, I love but Hess, Dr. Hess, is you while he's talking, is just so not interested. Yeah. I, yeah, and it's before he's been infected, too. That's why I have to admit, I did not realize... I was trying to figure out how he got infected. Like, yeah. I, I thought he was before he got stabbed. But you know what? This thing is cut in such a weird way. The timeline is way weird, too. So it's yeah. jumping from back and forth, too. So. so I had to actually read about that. Guys, we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> no, I do now. <laughs> I didn't before I read about it. I was like, okay, wait, when has he always been a vampire? No. But even like in that scene too, the camera is in this weird, like everything is framed so bizarrely. And his butler is bringing in the meal, the food. And every time he comes in, he blocks the frame. You know, I don't know if you noticed that. No, he I didn't. keeps getting like in front of the, so all you can see is this guy's back. And, it, and they just keep talking. And Ooh, it's Archie? Yeah. The butler, oh. and and it's just a weird like direct like you I don't know is it was it intentional what, did they 
not get any other shots, and this is all they had to work with. But it's just fu- it's just like a weird. He was a cool character, by the way. I oh, loved yeah. him. He was very patient. <laughs> well, let's talk about the lady. Ganja. I think we need to talk about Ganja's entrance because yes. she is as fabulous as he is. Yeah. She is as well. And the, but the way that she, the director introduces her, she's calling on a payphone. And you don't see it's, every shot is just a it's a obscured view of her. So the ne- it's a neck, it's the eyes, it's the the mouth, it's just you know little glimpses of her, and you don't get it till she finally arrives. Yeah, and she bitches him out. Hello, is my husband there? I haven't the slightest idea of who your husband is, madam. George is my husband, and I want to speak to him. Put him on the phone. He's not here now. I called the museum. They told me George was there. Now you put him on the phone. I don't want no more of his shit. Look, Mrs. Maida, I have had a very difficult morning, and if I've had a very difficult fucking six months. It's not possible to talk to Mr. Maida now. And then she gets there, and she thinks that Dr. Green is somebody who works for him. Tell your boss I'm here. I am Dr. Green. You do not have any question of what she's trying to tell you. Um, she is uh, actually pretty rude numerous times. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's uh, <laughs> you know, part of me is like, yes, you know, speak your mind, say who you are, but it's also just unnecessarily rude, too. And she seems to lose interest in finding her husband five minutes into when she gets to his house. Right. So. <laughs> She's like, eh, I'm Next. done with him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they quickly become lovers. Um, they uh, discover, she discovers her husband uh, in the wine cellar. Doesn't ask what happened. She's not like, what you know, what happened here? Did you hurt him or anything? She just thinks that he hurt him, but he actually committed suicide. So Hess didn't do anything except he did store him, which is very strange, but he didn't want to get in trouble. So anyway, she's like, okay, well, let's get married. (laughs) So uh, she decides to marry him and um, they are in love and wild and they're in bed and he says, I want you to live forever. And when he says this, she doesn't realize that he actually means that. Like she thinks he's just like, you know, being romantic. But he decides to go ahead and make her a vampire as well. But she doesn't consent to it. She doesn't realize that that's what's happening. Mm And the next day is like, hey, I had a dream that you murdered me, not realizing that that's actually what had happened. And that whole sequence, too, again, is very dreamlike, like mm-hmm. so much of this movie is. And it's it really is like the scenario that um, uh, Gunn wanted to make with this was about addiction. And you really see right. that in this scene, I feel like. Um, that they're enabling one another. She doesn't realize it, but he's like bringing her into yeah. his world. And um, it's a really fascinating scene. I thought it was 
very well done. And mm-hmm. then they go out once they're full on like addicted and they basically go hunting pe- for people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that like draws them closer, but also further into this addiction yep. for blood. Gunn did an amazing job of taking something like the subject of addiction, which really is real life horror for so many people and um, tying it in with something like an addiction to blood with vampires because that's right. the horror on, on the fantasy side. So he um, did an excellent job, and I highly recommend seeing this. Yes. <laughs> ah, you know what that sound means. This episode has come to an end. But don't worry, because we're watching movies all month long, and we'll have the next episode out in a few days. Until then... You can follow us on Instagram at Townhouse of Terror Pod. And send us your thoughts in an email at Townhouse of Terror Pod at gmail.com. Please subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Here are the next seven movies that we will be watching this week The Others from 2001, The Invisible Man from 1933. 28 Days Later from 2002. Eyes Without a Face, 1960. They Live, 1988. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, 2014. Let's Scare Jessica to Death, 1971. All these movies are available on various streaming platforms, and I'm going to do my darndest to kind of give you a heads up on uh, where you can find them as we go through the week. We suggest signing up for a Criterion Channel free trial unless you have a membership. It's filled with amazing movies, and they just released a bunch of 1970s horror movies. Shudder is also a really good horror um, streaming platform that you can do a free trial with as well. Anyways, until next time, this is Michael. And this is Jill. And this is Townhouse Townhouse of of Terror.